Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, please join me as I welcome my guest, Camilla Nair, who is certified in aqua therapy and rehabilitation, as well as being a yoga therapist, Ayurvedic health educator, author, and home funeral guide. You are a fascinating woman. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, Nadine. That's really sweet of you. So please share your uh, fascinating road as to how you donned so many hats which you wear. <laughs> yeah, I know. If you look at my chart, you'll kind of understand it, actually. Um, I've got a lot of stuff going on uh, up there in the 10th house. So, uh, yeah, it's been a long road, but, you know, a fascinating one. And I, it started, I was very lucky. It started quite early on. I was in my teens, about 16 or 17. My mum dragged me to a yoga class which was very different in those days. We didn't really have yoga mats. It was a bit of old carpet that my dad had got as an off-cut that we used. And uh, you just had casual clothes on, you know, sweatpants and T-shirts. There were no yoga clothes. Um, and it was just very, very relaxing and enjoyable. And I was blessed because there was a guy called Howard Kent who was the founder of uh, the Yoga for Health Foundation, um, beautiful uh, location in the British countryside. And it was a residential center, and he had people from all walks of life who were going for residential yoga, for cancer, for Parkinson's disease, people in wheelchairs. It was just a whole a whole different gambit. And I mean, this was, I don't know, 30 plus years ago. So we're talking about this guy being a real pioneer in his field. You know, what yoga therapy is, is very popular. We're talking about it now in the modern world. But this is something that has been around for a long, long time. And then about 26 years ago, moved to California um, with my then eight-week-old baby. Um, and then after a few years, my kids were small and I was just looking to, you know, maybe earn a little bit of money. And I found my spiritual teachers. I mean, I saw a lot of, of connections to the Korea lineage. My Goswami Kriyananda was the one that opened my eyes to Kriya Yoga. I could have gone to three or four different people, you know, locally and stuff, but they just didn't resonate. And when you find the right teacher, where they are, you travel and be with them and listen to them because they make sense. I had a lot of formal training as a direct disciple, did my yoga teacher training there too, because it made sense to me. I didn't just want to do poses. And, uh, and then um, later was uh, ordained as a Swami which was really kind of cool because there aren't that many women swamis. And what is a swami? A swami, yeah, it just kind of, you're supposed to know yourself. You're supposed to know something about being on the yoga path. And I guess you kind of, you know, you're wearing that hat and you better shape up and you're accountable to yourself. It doesn't mean, it doesn't make me any better than anyone else. I very rarely use my name. I went and did the higher seminary and Kriyananda at the time was teaching a lot. I guess he was in his 80s by this point anyhow. And he was teaching us a lot about being with the dying. And I felt a little bit uncomfortable with it, but I did it anyway and got kind of deeply immersed in that. And I volunteered for hospice, uh, which was very, very interesting. Started teaching tons and tons of classes. I was getting very, very busy. And, uh, and then I started teaching for... Um, 
the YMCA, teaching aqua yoga for the YMCA. I wrote a book called Aqua Kriya Yoga. Then, okay, what does it do then? People want to learn to, to teach it themselves. So, uh, yeah, then at the same time, I was also teaching a lot of prenatal. I was lucky. I was right next door to a hospital. And so I used to get a lot of referrals from there with pregnant women who had never done yoga before. But as you know, you know, there's usually stuff that goes along with it, aching back, swelling, mm-hmm. fear, mm-hmm. anxiety, all those. And then I thought, you know what? The world... I want to see a book on more mystical aspects of pregnancy. And I'd known a lot because of all my um, teaching, you know, all of my sitting down, listening to the guru. So I wrote a prenatal book and then um, developed an online teacher training program as well for prenatal. I I also studied Ayurveda with um, uh, Mark Halpern and the California College of Ayurveda and became an Ayurvedic health educator. And um, and then probably about eight, nine years ago, something like that, I was just, you know, you're getting older and parents are getting older and you start to question the meaning of life. What's my legacy? What am I leaving behind? All those kinds of things. And, um, and a friend of mine suggested doing some end of life training, doula training, um, home funerals, at Final Passages, which is up in Sebastopol. There's quite a few um, organizations now, I think, across the country, but we can be really happy about a baby coming into the world, and then when someone is dying, we get all sad, and it's just another portal of change, and we need to kind of um, make it a little bit more spiritual and bring more ritual around that dying process Mm -hmm. to, to honor people as they transition and to help them. People fear death, I think, and so trying to help break that taboo and start the conversation before we get sick is really important and there is a big organization um, across Europe I think it started in England called Death Cafe and um, and I started a, a Facebook group called Good Death Cafe for people who want to pose questions about death of anything death of a marriage death of the physical body it's light-hearted as well it's not all serious and all doom and gloom it's just to kind of break that fear that we have um, about talking about death. Well, I would definitely say that you've uh, got your hands full uh, and yeah. and you've just allowed yourself the um, curiosity and the freedom to become who you are um, yeah. for us all. And yeah. of course, we met because I took training with you for aqua yoga. I had oh, right. never, yeah. <laughs> I had never heard of aqua yoga. Uh-huh. But my path led me to you because I wanted to make yoga accessible to an older community. And it just made yeah. a lot of sense to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about why you decided to focus so much on teaching yoga in the water and yeah. and training people to do so. Well, I guess I've always been a little bit of a mermaid. Being near the water, <laughs> by the water has always been my zen place you know some people like being near woods some people like mountains some people like the cities so i hear you know for some people chicago might be the place to be but i mean every morning when i shower i give thanks because you know how luxurious to have warm water Mm. on your body yeah i did a lot of um you know yoga myself in the water without telling anyone and everything Um, i did synchronized swimming i was not very good at it at all as a child And when I was approached by a local YMCA to consider teaching yoga for very diverse populations in the water, 
Um, I was kind of a little bit hesitant because the yoga world, I think at that time, 20 odd years ago, was not really understanding of about, you know, anything other than vinyasa yes. or, you know, stuff. And so um, it was, I kept it quiet for a very long time. It was almost like a secret that I had with the students. I'd talk to other yoga teachers about what I was doing and um, they looked at me like it, like I was just talking a foreign language. And I said, well, what about all these people who would never go to your yoga class on land they would never do it because the perception is that you have to be a certain body type anyway in a certain age to do yoga i said and these people are already in the water doing stuff and um, how fantastic to give them the opportunity of a mindful practice it's a way of getting people to break down the barriers of what they think a yoga class should be about a lot of it is is fun. People come and there's a warm welcome. You know, people smile at one another. There's more interaction, I think, in the water than there is in a class on land. On land, you're kind of just keeping on your sticky mat and you don't really look around. You're not, not really looking around and engaging with everyone else. And very often you can leave the class and you've worked your body, but there's been no connection. Not all classes. I find that studios can be a little bit more... Um, stark in in a lot of instances at least that's my experience mm. um, and YMCA's tend to be a little or organizations like that community centers can tend to be you know more friendly more accepting if you have a child for example that needs to be in childcare, you need to leave the class 10 minutes early or god forbid you come into the class 10 minutes late that's fine they're coming because they need to be there so what are the benefits of practicing yoga in the water God, how long do we have? Um, it's huge. I mean, the you know the only thing we can be sure of in life is is change, and we live in a gravitational field where accidents happen, or degeneration, or both, and it's very very difficult to remain happy in your body without any aches and pains. And if you're if you have a mindful practice, a meditation practice, um, and your body is in pain you cannot meditate I've tried it it does not work when you step out of the gravitational field for many many people who are in pain chronic pain limited um, in motion and so forth going into the water it's just if you could if you could prescribe a pill as a doctor to reduce pain mm -hmm. then stepping into the water would be kind of like that obviously it's the buoyancy um, is wonderful the hydrostatic pressure kind of hugs things in. So it's wonderful because that additional pressure gives us more resistance to improve our breathing. And working with people, especially seniors or people who have never done yoga before, trying to get them to change their breathing habits on land can be quite difficult, quite challenging. And how much longer have they got you know, to try to refine that? <laughs> uh, and so being in the water tends to make it much easier. You can do a little bit of vinyasa, a little bit of flow, using the re resistance of the water to create drag, which helps them to improve their proprioception. And it means, where the hell is my body in space? And that, as we get older and more feeble, is going to help us hopefully bounce when we fall over or fall a little bit differently or not fear falling and walk, you know, like an Egyptian, you know, mm -hmm. rounding down through the heels rather than shunting forwards and pushing the chin forwards. So it uh, reduces edema, the swelling and that can happen, you know, in the legs, people with fibromyalgia, pregnant ladies in particular, a lovely place for them to be in the water. 
arthritis, small movements, but keeping them moving because again and again, if, if they're in pain, as they very often are with arthritis and fibromyalgia, they don't really want to move, but they have to move. Mm-hmm. And being in the water is tends to be more sympathetic and supportive of them. It's been a probably as the as the water creates that space around the joints, you can expect about thirty percent more range of motion typically. And with the water resistance, it gives people an opportunity to do more aerobic type stuff in the water, whereas they might skip that on land or it might be boring. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, my knees don't, I've never been a jogger. My knees don't like jogging. I had to give up tennis. Being in the water, you can do all that. You can do the aerobic stuff as well. And, you know, and that's very often how I'll, I'll introduce, you know, a bit of yoga into some more aerobic type stuff as well and mix it a little bit prehab going in for operations and trying to work on stabilizing yourself and preparing yourself emotionally and mentally for the surgery I think is excellent and a lot of people just because of the nature of their injury and stuff they come into the water anyway they're prehabbing but they don't realize that's what they're doing and it's that's great because it gets their mind in the right place and then of course on the other end of the spectrum it's the rehab getting back into your daily life again uh, and rehabbing in the water and I think all of the um, you know all the major football teams and stuff they've got a, an aquatic protocol so when they do something crazy they're actually training in the water as well as rehabbing and then they can bounce back and do whatever sport it is they do on land it's a non-judgmental type of environment I think particularly even though you're in a bathing suit and who knows you could still be top to toe in in material but um, it tends to be quite egoless. I mean, who cares if you can hold a pose for you know a long time uh, in the water? It doesn't really matter quite so much. It's just much more relaxed. It's just much more conducive and accepting of of different bodies, different abilities, and so yeah. And I think we try to keep it simple. We make it fun. You probably remember that from your training. That was one of Kriyananda's main teachings, actually. And don't take yoga so seriously but take yourself seriously and kind of figure out what is what works best for you yeah the art of relaxation i think is a big part of it if we're going to try to change the way that we breathe then we have to be able to relax first and so being in the water so can you describe a typical class how it would flow in <laughs> no pun intended yeah. <laughs> in the water <laughs> first of all being social it, people may already be in the swimming pool and I guess it depends what what's what am I going to do am I going to teach from the deck or am I going to teach in the pool and these days I tend to teach more in the pool to you know and keep it simple and make it fun for the students being in the water is a different ball game but you can bring that intimacy with your students and you're kind of in it with them so you can gauge the temperature of the water perhaps a little bit better and decide if you need to warm up or not. And I usually start off with say hi to everyone, get them skipping, which is great for trying to get them to try, you know, bring the heel down onto the onto the floor, for example. So they get a little bit more elastic recoil in their heels. So we start off skipping like little children having fun. And then we might come into a circle. It depends on how big the group is and do some warming exercises, try to link the breath with some movement. So it's almost like a lot of the stuff would might be simple things like that you would do in an aquafit class, but just bringing that mindfulness to it a little mm-hmm. bit more, and then um, perhaps some vinyasa type yoga poses and the re- working with the water resistance can be really cool for that actually. 
and um, and then some static poses. We could work against the wall for resistance. We could work with some buoyancy cuffs. We could work with you know ankle weights, all different types of stuff. But uh, the most important thing, as you probably remember for your training, is you've, they've got to be warm enough. And uh, and lots of yoga poses on land, they might not be able to do, but in the water they can do. And so they've got an opportunity to get very very expansive in their poses and. And I think it expands their consciousness. I really do. They're thinking outside the box quite a lot. And you don't have to you don't have to be able to swim. Lots of people who come can't swim actually and that might be one of the fearful things that they have. Just make sure they're, you know, shallow enough, about chest height. They can always stay next to next to the side of the pool or if they want to hold on to the noodle. But when people um, you know, someone comes new into the class and you can see that deer in the headlight things. You know they're fearful, and and the whole group just tends to mother that person. It's it's amazing, you know. People have got their own practice, and yet they're very very supportive and inclusive for people coming in. We can use the props for port, like when we're doing shavasana, you know, relaxing, and we haven't got those indentations in our body with the floor yes. because yes. of gravity. And that's wonderful. The best Shavasana is definitely outside in a swimming pool. And then we can have, um, we can use props for assistance. You know, if we're trying to hold ourselves upright, um, put the noodle out in front and just rest the hands on to create inner body bright, nice length to the spine, or create some resistance when you're sort of pushing a noodle under the water. So uh, we have toys just like we do on land and we just work them in accordance with the law of the water, with buoyancy and hydrostatic pressure. How would you describe yoga as a way of life and not just a physical practice? I remember probably about 10, 12 years ago now, a very close student, she'd been with me for some years, and she said, how many times do you practice yoga a week? And I kind of had to think about that. It's nice when you have students and they ask you questions because sometimes you don't know what you what you think unless they ask you, which is the value, obviously, of being a teacher. And I thought about it for a while and I said, you know what? I don't really think about how many times I practice yoga. What I think about is, you know, every breath I'm breathing, I feel like my practice is my life. If I'm sitting at the computer working, and I notice that I'm crossing my legs or sitting in a weird way or, you know, maybe reading a book or standing in the in a queue at, you know, Whole Foods or something like that. I try to think about it being my life and not just about how many times I practice the physical discipline, because that is just such a small part of that practice, really. Happiness is a byproduct of a life well lived, you know, not necessarily how much stuff you have or how much money you have. And that's certainly been true. I mean. I've had to simplify my life and and make sacrifices, I guess, along the way because I did want this lifestyle of living yoga and not just earning lots of money and buying stuff. And that doesn't excite me at all, although, don't get me wrong, money, when you need money to buy organic, you need money to mm -hmm. go on retreat and stuff like that. But, you know, there are no sad saints. And, you know, becoming more content with our life, whatever life throws at us has to be a big part of that are you allowing people to push your buttons are you maybe you could learn to respond rather than react 
and and that does change everything it does change everything we don't have that same sense of anxiety or loss of control because that's not very attractive and it's not about you have to be a vegan or a vegetarian we're all different it's just about interacting with with life um, outside of ourselves and and realizing that we're such a small speck in the big order of things and i think if we have a connection to nature or to god uh, or whatever it is that you call it something that's more galactic than we are that really kind of puts everything into perspective the spiritual life is not different from the life of householders as we are it kind of all has to come together you know you can't just do yoga and be lovely and smiley and helpful when you're doing your yoga and then you know you flip someone off at the traffic light it's just how are you living how are you living your life that really to me is what yoga is about not what poses you can do or for how long but just how you know how are you as a person you know how are you contributing to the world well this is a perfect place to ask this question <laughs> what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy to be healthy to have a life well lived to be able to go to bed each night and not beat yourself up about the things that you might have done a little bit better to recognize that tomorrow's another day and just recognizing we've probably done as much as we possibly could do if we go to bed and leave a sink of dirty dishes then maybe next time we're going to wash the dishes before we go to bed you know it's just like saying well I'm going to meditate now and the house is a mess it's, it's not really possible especially for women because we're we think about so many different things at once so i get the vacuum cleaner out very often have a quick quick flick around and then i can go okay okay that's enough i know that there's other things to be done but i've done as much as i can do now to dedicate some time to just sit and uh you know and be quiet life is precious and uh being in the now is the strongest place if we continue talking about yoga trying to improve our life reading good books putting you know good food in our body trying not to you know get stuck into the news too much and what's going on there and becoming over emotional about that if people who are listening um haven't tried yoga before maybe being in the water would appeal to them maybe chair yoga would appeal to them but you know we're starting to get so much in terms of, of research about the benefits of yoga and meditation i think it would be foolish of people not to consider it and just be open to something that may actually help or get in the shower and just be more mindful of being in the warm water and the joy that that can bring because it can take you temporarily out of you know this pain um, and tightness in the body and maybe then just sit down afterwards and just slow down your breathing so you're not necessarily doing yoga as you would think about doing yoga but mm -hmm. you're just treating yourself and, and respecting yourself and, and recognizing my goodness if I do this I feel like this so you're becoming your own advocate of something that's good for you and I think that's empowering actually I really do and then in time when you feel like you're strong enough to do that by, jo by Jove you might do some of that chair yoga you might step into you know water to do yoga and pick that up again 
or you might get your yoga mat out and do a few things, a little bit of stretching. So it's all by increments. It's just like we get, we forget again as we get older. And age is nothing that we should be frightened of. Wonderful. Well, thank you so very much for your light and your energy today. Oh, you're so sweet. It's, it's just so nice wonderful to, to be with, with you, you again. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> And now it's time for practical tips. Mind, body, and spirit tip. Try a class in the water, especially if you're in pain. Thanks for being here. See you next time.